0: Um, but welcome to everybody. Um, <clears throat> I'm glad you're here today. No, I am glad you're here today. Let me say that a little better. But this vision, this vision, uh, you know, from God, really, that's really what, what we've been talking about. We, have, we, we need a vision from God for our church, but we need a vision from God for our own lives as well. We need to know what God wants, and, and, and that kind of changes the whole way we think. It's kind of a whole life view or worldview that the way we look at things is because of, because of being shaped by God, being molded into what God wants for our lives and, and for our church. And so for our church, uh, Proverbs 24, you know, by wisdom a house is built, uh, through understanding it is established, and, and through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures, which are you. Each one of you. Acts 2.42, those four things that are found in Acts 2.42 are absolutely essential. And, and you say, you've heard them before. Yeah, but, but do we really build on them? Do we really, uh, you know, are we really shaped by them? Acts 2.42 are the word of God, fellowship, the breaking of bread, and prayer. Those simple things. So we, we kind of have those things. And, and so how, are we fulfilling having those things uh, in our fellowship? The word of God, fellowship. We had a little mini fellowship there a few few minutes ago, right? Where you told someone your name. I, I hope you did, anyways. But it's a lot more than that, isn't it? The breaking of bread, communion, but also where we actually eat together. And we, we talked. I mentioned last week about having having uh, potlucks. Uh, you know, here at the church uh, on a regular basis, and we're going to start doing that. We're going to start doing that this month. Once a month, we're going to have a, a fellowship after church. How many of you would be interested in that? Okay. Let's order the pizza now. We'll do it today. <laughs> Not really. And then prayer, where we have prayer. And, and, and she mentioned about the special family prayer, where God answers prayer. And, you know, I, I heard some testimony from Sandy last night about, about, Prayer, how God answers these prayers is just phenomenal. And we know it from Wednesday night too where we have prayer and God just hears our prayers and answers in incredible ways. And she was telling Paul and I about, you know, that, that you know, there's just it, something happens when you pray. And that, so that's part of who we are. That's part of the vision. So the other, the, the last scripture that, that uh, fits into this of these three is found in Zechariah chapter 11, and it's about this idea of caring for the lost, caring for lost people. Do we have a heart to care for lost people? Number two, seeking young, seeking the young, or 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 or. And I was thinking about this, not just young in age, but young in the faith too. Are we looking out for people who are brand new believers that, that need to have some, someone kind of help them along the way? I know I did when I was a brand new Christian. I didn't know anything, I wasn't raised in a Christian family. I needed someone to, to tell me, like, what's up? The third thing heal the injured, to find healing. We're all, we're all kind of injured in one way or another, you know. We're all, at one time or another, we're injured physically, spiritually, emotionally. We're wrecked. Some of us are just not even just injured. We're wrecked, and we need to be healed. And, and I believe that, 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 God, that God wants to do a work in us through the fellowship, through meeting together, through His Word, through fellowship, through the breaking of bread and through prayer. I've seen it happen over and over through the years. And the last one, feed the healthy. That's why we have potlucks, to feed the healthy. I think it's more than just food, though, isn't it? It's it's also spiritual food, where we we have the milk and we also have the meat, where we get into God's Word and we are feeding and we're helping to strengthen those that uh, remain. The Scripture says, strengthen that which remains, because if we didn't take care of what's... what's, uh, living where you know we're all gonna be in a bad place. I believe all four of these are here today. Lost people, young people, injured people, and healthy people. And and some of you may may be lost spiritually. You don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. You may be completely lost, but there's some of us that even as believers, we're in a period where we're kind of wandering, we're kind of just lost from we've lost our way. There's people here today that are young in the faith and even young children are here today. We have Injured, as I've already said, we have healthy... We have, we're all here today, together. But through prayer, through fellowship, the breaking of bread, and through God's Word, God wants to do a work. Do you see what I'm saying here? Now, there are different things that we can do to, to, to fulfill some of these, and that's what we want to do and uh, talk about Wednesday night. So again, Wednesday night, 7 p.m. For you and me, a vision for each of our lives... I want to follow on from that thought because we, we, we didn't talk that much about it, but really the, the key for our own life is to, is to surrender what God's vision is for our lives and then follow it. Surrender and follow. That's really the key. I, I want to talk today um, <clears throat> from Isaiah chapter 6. If you want to go ahead and turn to Isaiah chapter 6. <clears throat> Say, well, when are we going to get back to Colossians Well, the next section in Colossians is about marriage, about wives and husbands, and I just wanted to be married a little bit longer first before we can get to that. So I'm I'm just putting that off just a little bit, um, because it's kind of a big subject, and I kind of want to get that right um, before we get there. (laughs) Isaiah chapter 6. The title for my message is, Here Am I, Save Me, Send Me. Here Am I, Save Me, Send Me. I see both of them in this passage. This is what Isaiah, this is Isaiah's vision. This is what God put upon Isaiah. This is God working in the life of Isaiah. A very personal thing, and, and uh, I believe it is a very personal uh, thing that God, you know, working in our lives, He works in us in a very personal way, but He also does it corporately, he brings us into the group of, of the fellowship and we kind of rub, you know, iron sharpens iron sort of thing. But we see in, in this vision for Isaiah four parts, the majesty of God, the holiness of God, the forgiveness of God, and then Isaiah's response to all that. So number one, it starts off with God and who He is and the majesty of God. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 1 and 2. It says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on a throne, high and exalted, and the train of His robe filled the temple. And above Him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying." Now, you you look at this and you go, man, this is absolutely incredible what's going on here. Isaiah, it says, I saw the Lord. I saw the Lord and he was seated on a throne. Now, you have to know the the situation is also, it says there in the first part, it says King Uzziah had died. So on the throne, the the earthly throne that, that was there at that time, there was no king at that moment in time. But thank God that the throne of heaven was still occupied, Warren Wiersbe said. The throne of heaven was still occupied. How many times for you and I that, you know, we're, we are kind of lost, wandering, and, and we, we can't see. It's not coming together. There's no kind of focus. But yet God is still on the throne. Isaiah, he says, I saw the Lord. And he was seated on a throne. Isaiah had a vision of God. Isaiah had a vision of God. Now, in the book of Revelation, it's, it's kind of similar in a way where it says that John the Apostle, he had a vision of heaven as well. He had a vision of the throne and, and there were these creatures, these angelic creatures that were there as well. But an interesting thing in John in uh, about this passage that John the Apostle is quoting in John chapter 12, he's referring to this passage. He's referring to what happened to Isaiah. But he said this, he said, Isaiah said this because he saw Jesus' glory and spoke about him. That's kind of interesting, isn't it? He's quoting these verses and he says that Isaiah saw Jesus' glory and he spoke about him. He spoke about Jesus. Isaiah, seeing the throne of God, Jesus, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. You know, Jesus, Jesus wasn't just born in a manger there in Bethlehem let's think about this for a minute though and apply it to ourselves though he says that Isaiah he said I saw the Lord now does that mean does that mean that you and I have to have like a physical vision I think he saw some kind of a very real vision I don't know that it was physical or in the spirit or whatever, but, but he had a vision of, of the Lord. And, and do we, each one of us, have to have that kind of like a, a, a vision like that? I don't think so. Again, each and every one of us is different. I remember my mother telling me years ago that she felt like she, that Jesus was in her room speaking to her at one point in time. I've never had that happen to me. Does that mean that I, that I don't have a relationship with Jesus? that I've never seen Him sitting on the edge of my bed. But having said all that, I think that we need to see the Lord in our lives. We need to, we, we've got to start there. We've got to, we've got to seek the Lord. The Bible says, seek me and you will find me. Seek me with all your heart and you'll live. The Bible says to seek after God, to, 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 to go after Him. And I believe and and I'm going to leave it up to him how he fulfills that, but that you and I need to see the Lord. We need to have a relationship with him. We need to meet with the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to meet with God Almighty, or we have got absolutely nothing. Paul met with Jesus on the road to Damascus, did he not? He saw the Lord. It was different than Isaiah. What is it for you? I met with Jesus Christ back in San Diego, California in 1976, and in September 1st, I, I went and, and I said, Well, if, if you are who they say you are, well, you know, I sure I want to try that. I, I you know, what have I got to lose? And I went forward and I, and I surrendered my life to Jesus. And, and you know what? I didn't see a vision at that time, I didn't feel someone, you know, with their hand upon my shoulder. Though that might happen to some of you, I don't know. But I knew there's something that changed inside of me. Something happened inside of me, and it was, it was meeting Jesus Christ. We see here in this passage, it starts with seeing the Lord and, and, and really the majesty of God and who He is. He's seated on the throne. It says He's high and he's, and he's exalted. The train of His robe filling the, te- the temple and, and the, the angelic creatures that are there. The majesty of who God is. You know, the Bible declares that, that you know, the different, the different facets of the character of God, he, he's completely majestic, incredibly awful, but yet he's also right here near with you and I. I read, it talks about in James where, where Abraham's called the friend of God. Abraham, the friend of God. You and I can have that relationship where, where, where he's our, God is our friend, but he's also the majestic, incredible, high, and exalted God. We need to understand that. There's a place for us to understand that. And we need to, so it's not like Jesus is just my best buddy and, you know, we're going to go cruising in the car together and do all this stuff together. Yeah, he is there with us, but He's also the almighty God. You know what I'm saying? Puts us in bright relationship. Makes the perspective right between us and him. The second thing we see here in in verses 3 through 5 is the holiness of God. It says, They, that is those angelic beings, they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. And at the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. like the King James says, I am undone. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, they were saying. They were saying it to each other, it says here. You see that in heaven a lot where they're calling out about the holiness of God, the infinite holiness of God. God is majestic. God is also holy. God is holy. Some think maybe they said it three times because of the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We don't know for sure. But Isaiah sees the holiness of God, and what does he say? Oh, I can live with that. That's cool. Oh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. God's holy. What does he say? No, he says, you know, woe is me. Woe to me, like the holiness of God. God is holy and we are not. Our sins, the Bible says, separate us from Him. And that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Jesus. We, you know, it, we, we get a vision of who God is and we see that He is so holy that, that we cannot stand in His presence. We cannot survive. We wouldn't survive one fraction of a second in heaven. If, if you and I were to be trans. There, apart from Jesus Christ and what he's done in our lives, to heaven, we would not last there for one fraction of a second. Why? Because of the holiness of God. The holiness of God. There's no sin. Jesus was completely without sin. He says, Woe to me. And Isaiah, he knew he was a sinner too. And and so we see in the in the life of Isaiah, what does he, he have? He has conviction. And he has confession there, doesn't he? He says, I'm ruined. He, he, so his conviction was overwhelming. Through, throughout history in the history of revivals and that where, where God has done these incredible things for you know, periods of time, some longer than others, but where there's been periods of revival in certain locations, what, what has always, without fail, been a part of it is the, the holiness of God and the conviction of sin. Where people would just come in and fall on their faces because the the presence of God and the and the conviction of sin was so clear and so real, you and I need to know that God is holy, and that we are not. And you know, and and, conv- and be convicted and, and 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 confess that I am a sinner. God, I'm a sinner. You know, you saw the in the in the parable of of. Uh, the rich man and Lazarus, right, I believe if I get this, the names right, where one, you know, says, oh, I'm glad I'm not like that guy over there. And, and But the other one comes and says, you know, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. He beat his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Jesus said that one went away, right, with God. I heard uh, an interview with Luis Palau on the radio the other day on WARV, and it said, he said, uh, he was talking, uh, you know, with a little old lady and, and uh, somehow this thought came out that if, that, you know, if, if, if you wrote down every single thought that you and I here in this room, every deed, we wrote it all out, that you wouldn't even want to shake anyone else's hand. If you knew every thought they thought, every deed they ever did in their lives, much less our own, if you knew it all about, about something, you wouldn't even want to, he said, you wouldn't even want to shake their hand. We need Jesus Christ in our lives. Warren Wearsby said, A true vision of God and His holiness always, always makes us realize our own sinfulness and our failure. Now, you say, Well, you're getting kind of heavy and all that, you know, sinfulness and, and all that. Well, you know, if we stop there, that would be the case, but we don't stop there, and God didn't stop there. God loved us so much, He sent His Son. To pay the price for our sins. And and we see here in this passage, it doesn't end there either, does it? It says that we're going to get to the next one, number three, about the forgiveness of God. And that's where we find the forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ. Look at verse six. It says, then one of the seraphs flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And with it, he touched my mouth and he said, see, this is, has touched your lips, your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for. If we just stopped at the sinfulness of man, it would be pretty depressing. It would be pretty hopeless. It would be like, why are we going to talk about that? We need to understand that though because then we understand how big and how great and how awesome it is that God sent His Son because we're lost and we're, we're, we're separated and the sin has just wrecked us. But God sent his son, and here God brought forgiveness to Isaiah, the fire of God, the passion of God, that that he wanted to take away that guilt. He wanted to atone for the sin in, in the life of Isaiah. He wants to have a relationship with you and me. That's the bottom line. He wants to have a relationship with you and me. He wants to have a relationship with you, badly. It says in Romans chapter 3, all have sinned, fall short of the glory of God. We know that verse. The next verse, though, says, and are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. And God presented him as a sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Sacrifice of atonement, Jesus Christ. We see here, he says, your guilt is taken away. Your sin is atoned for. This is the only place we're going to find forgiveness is with the Almighty God through Jesus Christ, his Savior, his one and only Savior. So for you and I, we're sinners and we need a Savior. Maybe, just maybe, you've never made that decision to call upon the name of the Lord. The Bible says, call upon the name of the Lord and be what? Saved. That's the only way to be saved. There's no, other, there's no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. There's no other avenue. There's no other path. There's no other way. Jesus makes it so very clear. He said, well, that's so closed-minded. Well, yeah, but it's, it happens to be the truth. So if it's the truth, it doesn't matter what you think about it. But it's what Jesus said about himself. And as C.S. Lewis points out, he's either a liar or a lunatic or he is exactly who he said he was. Now, do you want to take a chance? A sacrifice of atonement through faith in his blood. Here am I, save me, to believe and receive eternal life. We have to make that decision. He doesn't force it on us. Just like the next section. He doesn't make us do it. He doesn't force you. He doesn't coerce you. But I heard the invitation. I'd been actually going to the church for a couple of months. Actually, I'd gone in the summer, and I had kind of just said, I fought against it. No, 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 no. And I went back to college, which was a few hours away. I went back to college in... uh, Started the, the next semester, and and, I, and and like I said, I was lost. I knew, I know what it feels like to be lost. I was completely lost. I went back to college, right? I had heard the gospel. I had fought against receiving Jesus Christ and during the summer. I went back to school. I got to school. I was in these classes, and, and, and I dropped out in the middle of the semester. Now, I had, you know, all the um, financial aid, you know, from... From need-based to um, feeling sorry for me-based, uh, I had it was all taken care of. You know, I didn't. You know, and I dropped out of school, right? Uh, and I still had to pay some bills and stuff. And I went. I ended up, believe it or not, I went ended up going to the holiday in working in the kitchen, washing dishes. I mean, so. <laughs> I'm in there washing these dishes. And it, it's, you think of the story of the prodigal, it's like you wish you could eat off those plates. You know what I'm saying? And, and I finally I said, you know what? This is ridiculous. What am I doing here? And I went home. And it wasn't long after I got home that I went back to that church. I went back to that church. Now, this is over you know, a period of months, right? But I went back to that church... And I said, you know what, i got to go check, th- i got to find out, i got to check this out. And I went back and I heard the invitation and I went and I received Jesus Christ. And my life's never been the same since. September 1st, 1976. How many years is that, you math, you math heads? Here am I, save me. Care for the lost. These people at that church, they were caring for lost people. They cared about me. I care about lost people here. We care about lost people that that are all around us here in the state of Rhode Island. Here we are in the state of Rhode Island and there's lost people all around. Is that not true? Do we care? I want you to know when you bring people here, if you come here, you're going to hear about Jesus Christ. And you're going to have an opportunity at some point in some way to respond to Jesus Christ. and Give your life to Him. If you can't find him in church, where are you going to find him, right? You can find him all over. Don't don't misunderstand me. But, it, you know, why do we even get together if we don't give people opportunities, right? Lots of different kinds of opportunities. <laughs> Point number four, Isaiah, you know, is touched by the power of God. He sees his majesty. He sees his holiness. He knows he's utterly sinful, but God touches him and, and uh takes away his guilt and atones for his sin the forgiveness that comes there's something about being forgiven and forgiveness is a very powerful thing but the the fourth point is Isaiah's response really and, and this is really a, a response to God's grace and ver, verse 8 and then i heard the voice of the lord it says in, in verse 1 you know he says i saw the Lord, and now in verse 80 he says, then I heard. He sees and he hears the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for me? Go for us. Excuse me, I spoke there. The Trinity, right? Who will go for us? It's there again. And I said, here am I, send me. The invitation of God. Who, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And he says, here am I, send me. Those are incredible words. Here am I, send me. Think about that in your life and what God wants to do in your life. And and as I said earlier about the vision for our lives and surrender and follow, it's got to start with a heart like this, like the heart of Isaiah. Isaiah was touched by God Almighty. But then God said, who will go? And he said, here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. It's got to be really at this place where we are completely available, where there are no conditions, someone said the other night. No strings attached. That's why I put in your bulletin, just one life will soon be passed, only what's done for Christ will last. You know, what, 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 what more can we do? What is our life focused on? Are we are we listening for the voice of the Lord and, and and willing to go wherever He calls us? Where you go, I'll go. I, you know, you you many of you, I'm sure, have heard about the idea of availability versus ability. And, and Isaiah. You could say, you could you could see it in these verses, Isaiah is making himself available. But did Isaiah have this incredible ability? No, he he was just flat out here. He says, Woe is me, I you know, I'm ruined, I'm undone. Who am I? But he makes himself available, completely available. One person said this he's not coerced into service, rather, his will makes its ready response as a grateful. Reaction to God's forgiving grace. Because of what God has done in my life, what else can you and I do? What else can you and I do? We think about Jesus when he was just a young boy, right? And you remember the story? You, you know what happened. He went into the speaking with the elders and the, spiritual leaders, the teachers and all that. He was in there, and, and his family didn't know where he was, right? And they're heading back home, and they realize, oh, man, where's Jesus? And they go back, and they find him, and what did he say? He said, I, didn't you know I had to be about my father's business? Didn't you know I, 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 had, to, I had to be doing what God would want me to do? He said in John chapter 4, later on, when he's older now, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He says, don't you say four months more and then the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Open your eyes and look at the fields. They're ripe for harvest. Boy, that's challenging, isn't it? Open your eyes and look at the fields. They're all around us. They're even right here amongst us. We were looking at Ephesians chapter 4 on Wednesday night and and someone mistakenly turned to chapter 5 and uh, it was kind of funny, but at the same time, uh, the verses, let me read to you the verses that he read. He says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, don't, don't be foolish, but understand what the, war, the Lord's will is. In other words, there's like this opportunity that we have now, and don't let it pass by, redeem the time, another version says. There's some kind of urgency, and, and I kind of sense it even here. In, in, in our midst, in our fellowship, and kind of what God's doing. There's kind of an urgency, like, what are we called to do, and, and how are we going to do it? That's why we're getting together, and that's why we're, we've been talking. That's why I'm hearing people saying, well, I want to do such and such. Can I do such and such? Of course you can do such and such, as long as it's not weird. <laughs> say, well, I'm not coming now, because he's going to think my ideas are weird. <laughs> well, I might, but I might not tell you. I'll let someone else tell you. No. <laughs> I'm the weird one. Okay, I take take that. I am the weird one. My ideas are all very weird. You say, well, I can't talk to him. He's very weird. Um, <laughs> And, and sometimes people are afraid to talk to me because I am weird, and so they don't talk to me. And the thing is, you never, get to, you never get it out. You don't have that heart storm that nobody hears about. And some of you who, you know, get to know me a little better, maybe you, you just say, well, I guess he's not as weird as I thought he was. <laughs> he's weirder. <laughs> but he does, he you know, I can't say something. To, I can't say a few things to him. You know what I'm saying? I don't know what I'm saying, so I wish you'd tell me. That's a rabbit trail. Anyways, I had to be about the Father's business and to do what God said to do. Isaiah says, here am I and send me. And, and, and the very next part of, of verse 9 says he said that as God said to him, go and tell this people. And, and he gave him a job to do. He gave him a message. He gave him a calling. Now, the interesting thing, and I've already alluded to it as well, is that, that he could have sent those seraphim, right? He could have sent those angelic creatures to go out and do it. They, know, they knew completely about the majesty and holiness of God. He could have sent them to the earth and just flying around the sky, saying all that stuff. But he says, no, Isaiah, I want you. Isaiah made himself available and he says, okay, this is what I want you to do. And the thing about it is, he gave him a pretty difficult message. When you look at the context of it, you know, the people of Israel were so stubborn and hard-hearted, and the message was not an easy message to share. But, look at Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14. Let's start in verse 13, because you get to kind of see both here. Then Isaiah said, Here now, you house of David, is it not enough to try the patience of men? Will you try the patience of my God also? But look at verse 14. That's the verse I want you to see. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. Yeah, he had some hard messages, but this is an incredible message here. It's about Jesus, right? The Savior coming, Emmanuel God with us. You and I, to be disciples, to be witnesses, as Jesus said to his disciples, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you'll be my witnesses. He chose to use Isaiah, and he chose to use you and me, forgiven sinners. And I was thinking about this, you know, that almost makes it more real. Because we're forgiven sinners talking to other sinners. If we were like better than anybody else, Isaiah realized, I'm no better than all the people out there. I'm a man of unclean lips, and I live amongst a bunch of people of unclean lips. But if we were you know, somehow better than them, but no, we are just as sinful as them. We have the same, we're, we're, we're cut out of the same cloth. We're uh, sinful, and we need a Savior. And so we can tell somebody, listen, I, I'm a sinner too, but I found the Savior, Jesus Christ. And I, I heard that in the voice of Luis Palau when he was talking, and, and that guy has had opportunity to, to preach the gospel to uh, you know, millions and millions of people. They think it could be approaching a billion people that he's had an opportunity, one way or another, to speak to. But was he boasting about that? No, he said, you know, I'm just, like I shared before, I'm a sinner. Man. Why would I be allowed to do something like that? Because God called him to do something like that. God gave him a vision for his life. He chooses to use you and me. You say, well, you know, who am I? We see that in the Bible. What have I done? How can I be someone like that? Well, those points are all true. You're nobody. I'm nobody. But God chooses to use us and to do something with us, something powerful. The majesty of God, the holiness of God. Have we seen him? The forgiveness of God. Have we received it? the call of God, have we surrendered? Here am I, send me. You know, I don't know where God is going to lead you and how God is going to lead you. It's, uh, our, our director at the Bible school said, you know, guidance is intensely personal, and he's going to work in our lives in a special way. But I, all I know is that that at some point in my life, I, I said those Similar words of that, you know, whatever it is that you want in my life, I will be available and whatever, however you want to work. And what a journey it has been, let me tell you what. And, you know, we, we, I didn't know where I was going to end up. I had no clue that I would find my home. in a place called Rhode Island. To be honest with you, I didn't even know where Rhode Island was. That's the big confession. But I've been here uh, since 1988, and I guess, how long does it take to, be, to become a Rhode Islander? Huh? Two weeks. How many of you are, from, are not from Rhode Island and you live here? Oh, man, I'm in good company. That's awesome. Yeah. Sweet. Let's cause a revolt. No. You know, God brought us here. I read, I read this thing about um, somebody talking, you know, about the... you know, the state of Texas, you know, how they're so proud about being from the state of Texas, you know, and they say, well, are you from Texas? And they said, you know, no, I'm not, but, you know, I got here as soon as I could. (laughs) You know, it's not about Texas. It's about being where God wants you to be. And and for me, you know, I got to Rhode Island as soon as I could. I didn't know it at the time, but I got here as soon as I could, and I've been here. I tried to leave once, and I had to come back. (laughs) I surrender all to Jesus. We, some of you have been around a long time, and, and you remember we had a big old station wagon, 1975 Buick station wagon in 1988. So it wasn't that old then, but it was pretty old. And it was massive, and, and like the metal was so thick on those, those, those things. It was like a tank, like a tree fell on it, from next door neighbor's house, it didn't, like, my other car was, like, all smashed up, windshield broke, and that, it hit that car, and it was like there was a little, little scuff on there. <laughs> but we, we loaded that car up, and we put a little U-Haul trailer on the back of it, and we, and we, we just started driving. We're going to New England. I didn't, didn't know where in New England. We were going to go somewhere in New England. We started driving that car, and, you know, God protected us on the way, we could have had a bad accident. There was a part. There was a, a tie rod was just loosening and loosening, and, and that thing could have spun off. And we had five kids in the car, and a trailer, and, and you know, who knows what how fast I was going. Um, so we came to New England, and we had, oh, I think, four or five different contacts, and. So we kind of thought, well, okay, it's going to be Connecticut. There's some people we had, you know, we had four or five different contacts in New England we'd gotten from different people at different times. And I won't go into every detail, but we, you know, we went to each one of them in the end. God said, "I want you to I want you here. This is where I want you to be." And we're here. We're still here. I wish I had that car though. That car was awesome. But the catalytic converter got all plugged up, and I had to drill some holes in it. And then it just did some. Just didn't wasn't right about it, so I had to get rid of it. <laughs> Hear my send me God. I just want to do what you want me to do. That's all I want. That's all I want. You come to that place where nothing really is as important. And when you get to the end of the, of your life, are you going to say, "Well, I wish I had watched more television"? or I wished I had made more money, or I wish I had bought more properties, or I wish I had gotten a higher rank in my, in my company, or, or man, I wish I would have just done what God wanted me to do. How many times people come to the end of their lives and they were, they've been fighting him all their lives and they finally said, you know what? Is it too late? It's not too late. It's never too late never too late I'm going to ask the worship team to come up and uh, and lead us and uh, we'll, we'll pray together why don't you guys come on up and get yourselves set up here here am I, save me, here am I, send me here am I, save me here am I, send me what's God saying to you today? Maybe you're having a vision of God. Maybe you're you're hearing his voice, like Isaiah says, I heard. I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Maybe you're hearing it. Maybe today is is like a turning point in your life, and you you just know that you want to follow God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength.